Hello, beautiful people. I am Haley Helveston. This podcast is all about holistic health, sacred sexuality, and spirituality. I have Kate Roddy here. She is the creator of the Kegel Release Curve, and she is a pelvic physiotherapist. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm so happy that I could join. Yes, I'm so excited to have Kate here because I love what you're doing, and I'm all about empowering women sexually, so I think this is such an important topic. So go into more about why you created this product. Um, I created this product. It's a basically it's a premium pelvic wand that we are trying to advocate women to use a little bit sooner than when there's a problem. So it's ideally designed for perineal massage, which is something that we ask women to do or we advise them to do before they give birth, just to prepare the perineum, which is the tissue between sort of vagina and anus, that little area. Um, that is most commonly where we tear and we want to prevent that, right? So we know that perineal massage has um, evidence to support that we can minimize the need for an episiotomy or tearing. And if we can keep that area intact, then that area is pelvic floor muscles. And if we can keep that intact, then women are going to have less problems um, potentially after birth. And we need to remember that um, pelvic floor has a lot of functions. So it holds, you know, our pee, so incontinence, but also it does have a role in sexuality. So, you know, returning to sex postpartum after birth is sort of, it can be scary. And we don't want that. We don't want people to have this big, you know, no-go zone on returning to sex. So again, your pelvic floor and preserving it is really important. So that's ultimately why I created the Kegel Release Curve, just to make it easier, right? You can use a tampon without an applicator, but it's just nicer to have one, so. Mm, so true. Yeah, and I'm glad we're talking about this because I feel like there's so much, uh, I feel like most people don't, I mean, most women, I think they know that you have to have a strong pelvic floor, but they don't really know that much about it. Right. Right. And, and the problem with that is that, you know, Dr. Arnold Kegel, right? This is where we get the name to Kegel and are you Kegeling? You should just Kegel. He was a, a gynecologist in the forties and he was the one who really pioneered that doing pelvic floor contractions um, is going to help uh, improve incontinence. And he's not wrong with that, but as a society, we've come a long way, right? If you think about fitness training programs and what people did to lift weights in the 40s and how much more we physiologically know to look after our muscular body, we've like it's eons away. So just understanding to just Kegel, Kegel, Kegel is not always what is needed. It would be the same as if someone came into my office with knee pain and I was like, just do squats. You just need to do squats. Keep doing your squats. You know, it's, it's looking at everything as a nail and all you have is a hammer. And we have a lot more available information now. So. And doesn't having a stronger pelvic floor help with orgasms too, right? So the idea is, is it's all about blood flow, right? So strength per se, I don't know how many studies there are to um, actually support that it's a strength thing. We always want, because 
no one's really gone down there with like, you know, a measuring device that goes, if you can squeeze this many pounds per square inch or whatever it is, <laughs> that, and, and then rated it with, you know, like this is the best orgasm I've ever had, that doesn't happen. Our goal with using our pelvic floor is always to promote a contract and a relax. And in doing so, whenever you have muscle contraction, you have more blood flow. Blood flow is what's going to actually circulate into your clitoris. It's what's causing those involuntary contractions to get going. And then we reach climax. So if you have a pelvic floor that doesn't really know how to operate consciously, and unconsciously, we haven't been using it, then you're not getting that blood flow. And it just becomes a bit of a physiological barrier to sort of having that lovely climactic event, really. And I saw on your website, is that because the fact that people are so stressed that they clench it? Like, why is that? So that's another reason, right? When muscles are really too tight, they they're sort of like sitting in this, um, it's what we call tetany, which is just a fancy name to describe that the muscle's holding on for dear life. And so when you have a muscle that's holding on, again, it's almost like it's strangling vessels. Again, we have a decrease in that blood flow. So sometimes when something is too tense, um, you, it just won't let go. And that doesn't let the sort of your your veins and arteries sort of have that blood flow to circulate. So um, tension is a problem because, um, again, it doesn't allow it. But it also, we have to understand that that climax is involuntary contractions and relaxations, right? It's a cycle. So if you don't have the relaxation part, then you don't get the bill. So we want to facilitate some relaxation within any muscle. Um, you have to be able to contract it. You have to be able to relax it. If you can't do one of those two things, we still label this as a muscular dysfunction, right? If you can't unbend your elbow and it's walking around folded all day, that's a problem. Similarly, we can look at the vagina that way. If it doesn't know how to relax, we have a problem. Okay, and then for women that they say, well, maybe I'm using my jade egg. What's the difference between that and what you created? So the jade egg is, um, it's basically, it's a biofeedback tool, right? There are many biofeedback tools on the market. We don't have, because we can't see, right? There's no action that we can correspond to. So it has to go by feel. And anytime we are teaching someone to contract a muscle that's going by feel, it's a lot harder because you really need to have a clean mind-body connection. And unfortunately, not all of us are born with that level of coordination, right? Um, and so what the jade egg or what any of those, anything that you insert, right? Sometimes with some of my patients, it's as simple as asking them, you know, some of them who don't have jade eggs, they don't have vibrators, they don't have dildos, any of those tools, I ask them to just take a tampon and, and insert that so that they can feel that they are squeezing something, right? Mm -hmm. it's, it's letting them feel that squeeze. It's, your pelvic floor is not only a squeeze, but it's a lift, right? That's how we support our pelvic organs is with that lift. So 
any so the jade egg is really and it's weighted right so it potentially if no muscle contraction happens it can fall right out so it's getting the body to do that contraction the thing that what we're seeing right now is that stress right so we, we're going to talk about stress a little bit and we're in a pandemic so there's lots of it <laughs> um our our stress response is controlled by our central nervous system and our pelvic floor nerves are controlled by our central nervous system. So whether we like it or not, when we have stress, anxiety, fear, all of those sort of emotions where it would cause the body to protect or guard, we are going to clench. We're going to tighten up. Mm. It's that anticipatory tension. And so in like today's society, I think a little bit maybe differently than say in Dr. Arnold Kegel's like 1940s, we have a lot more stimulants in our life, right? Screen time, TV, how information, all of these things. So we have more stress per se, that um, stimulants are constantly acting on our bodies. So we're seeing more and more females with overactive pelvic floors, what we call hypertonic, right? Mm -hmm. There is too much tone in those muscles. So they're not getting the release. So yes, I designed my tool to, for women with perineal sort of like just to prep that area. But like, I am now starting to advocate this for all women because what we're seeing, and it can change Haley, like month to month. I have seen patients where they come in and you know, I do my internal exams, which is what pelvic physios do. And we, you know, I had one woman who came in and like, it was night and day from the previous time. Like she was so much more tight, tense, you could feel it. Um, and even there was discomfort. And I sort of stopped in the middle of our session. And I said, what's going on today? And she's like, I think I have to quit my job. I wasn't even going to come to the, the appointment. I, you know, I, I am not, I have there was problems with the boyfriend. Like there was this whole mm -hmm. stress response going on and I could feel all of it in her pelvic floor. So even like my biggest thing that I want to advocate for women is that your pelvic health is like your teeth in that your dental hygiene, you look after without question. You brush your teeth every night without question. If you don't see your dentist once a year, you kind of feel like you're cheating, yeah. right? Even having like a root canal we associate as like a bit of almost like dental shame. And yet we don't look after our pelvic floor in any way, shape or form other than hopefully a routine pap smear. And if there's a problem, right? There's no preventative care. Mm -hmm. And we know way too much now about what can go on down there that I'm like, why aren't we looking after our pelvic floor on a routine basis? So I come from a point of view of like pelvic wellness, right? You come from a different direction of like sexual wellness. And the two of them are really married, mm -hmm. right? They come together in the middle in like, look after your pelvic floor, look after your orgasms, make the whole thing happy. And you should never have to buy a pack of Depends. You should never have to see a pelvic physio. Or if you did, you saw them once, they confirm that your pelvic floor works great. And you have that confidence of a woman that like, hey, my vagina is great. I know how to use it. I know how to control it. 
I know how to relax it if she gets stressed, right? So that's more, you know, I think my product, I want to have women ritualize looking after their pelvic floor a little bit easier. And I think that sometimes having a tool makes that a ritual. It's just like having a toothbrush, right? Mm, I love that you say that, yes. Because I think that, um, I think it's becoming more and more apparent that we need more knowledge with sexuality and pelvic floor health. And so I think this is good. So what about for women that are, um, that are stressed? How can they tell? What if they're so dissociated they can't tell when they're stressed? How do you yep. fix that? <laughs> yeah, I mean, and that's the thing is that we, it becomes habitual because, I mean, how many times have you been stressed at the computer and someone's like, hey, like, let your shoulders down. And you realize that you're sitting at the desk with your shoulders up and your ears so tense. Or someone comes to behind you to give you that shoulder mm -hmm. massage and you just go, oh God, like that's so sore. And so you don't even realize how much tension you're holding. Um, another great place, and there's some research that's been starting to show up where tension in someone's jaw musculature is actually showing up as tension in their pelvic floor as well. Mm. So, I mean, like if you have a jaw that's clicky or, you know, like when you get off a plane and all of a sudden you open your mouth and it does that big click, that's tension in your muscles because while you are flying, whether you like it or not, that's tension, right? Some of us are like, yeah, I'm a great flyer, but it, does, it shows up in your mouth. Mm -hmm. So how women can tell there's a number of symptoms right that can sometimes lead us to believe and this i have gathered through a lot of subjective assessments where women start telling me that um they feel like they have to go to the bathroom more often right so and it doesn't translate to i just drank a liter of water of course you have to go to the bathroom they just feel like they're constantly having to go to the bathroom more often and what that can sometimes translate into is that overactive pelvic floor that's squeezing the bladder. And so your bladder actually works in either direction. It can either be from fluid filling the bladder and expanding out and it senses that pressure. It also works in the opposite whereby the, mus the muscles are squeezing it. It picks up on that pressure and says, you need to go to the bathroom. But it doesn't, your, your bladder actually hasn't filled. It's just muscles that are squeezing it. So that's one. Another one is if you, um, you know, you've used a bunch of lube, um, but you're having painful sex, right? Where it feels like discomfort, definitely on penetration. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes it can be deep penetration. Sometimes it's just on the entrance. You know, you know that you're well lubricated, but you're still getting a pain response. Sometimes that is muscular guarding. Um, another one is, uh, sometimes even low back pain, um, can be, it can go in either direction. Sometimes it is pelvic floors holding too tight and that causes some issues with your low back. Um, and then let me think if I can think of one more symptom. There's urgency. Um, I mean, those are the main, even pelvic pain, right? So having, um, sort of any pain syndrome down there that's, sort of unrelated to a menstrual cycle, sometimes that would be 
um, overactive pelvic floor. So those are the big looming ones. Like, but again, you have symptoms. So you've actually gone past the point of tension. Your body is now saying you have so much tension that we're trying to let you know about it. Mm. So I actually, and living in the virtual world that we currently are, I've been teaching women how to self-assess their pelvic floor by just doing an internal exam themselves, right? So, um, and it's really just a self-exploration tool with their own hand, uh, usually their thumb, and they uh, insert a thumb and they just, basically it's perineal massage. You're just pushing down on that tissue. I get women to orient their vaginas like it's a clock. So down at the bottom is six o'clock, up at the top is where your urethra or where you pee from. Um, and you just put a little bit of pressure at six o'clock. Then you go over, you put a little bit of pressure at five o'clock, at seven o'clock, and try and check in with your body. You know, what is the feeling you're getting? Is it, is it discomfort? Is it pain? Is it a burny feeling? Is it a pinchy, uh, a pinchy feeling? Um, does it feel just like a good stretch? Like sometimes your body is just like, oh, thank you right? It's like mm -hmm. getting your, you know, something stretched for you, right? Like maybe someone's stretching your calf or your quadricep, your thigh muscle. These can feel good. And that may even be a clue to women that like, they needed just a good stretch. We, we don't often associate our pelvic floor and our vaginas as muscles, right? It, it, it's unfortunately still in this day and age, a bit of a mystery box because we were not educated as well as we should have been mm. on our own body parts. And so I like to sort of parallel it too. Like if you were to go out for a five or 10 K run the next day, your thigh muscles, your quadriceps would reasonably be tired and sore. And so what do we do for those muscles? We maybe use a foam roller. We do a stretch. Maybe we get a massage. We, we do a number of things to facilitate sort of recovery of those muscles. When we have sex, it's a workout. Mm -hmm. It is a workout on those muscles. And I sort of say like, you know, to the ladies, I have two kids and like I've been married for a while, but like to the women who are still having like back-to-back -back sex nights or like the two times in a row, like <laughs> good, for, good for you ladies. Um, but if you have had back-to-back -back sex nights, that second night, it feels like it, there's, there's a little bit of recovery still that has to happen there, right? There's that little bit of, whoa, okay, slow down a little bit, right? Because your muscles are still in a healing and recovery mode from the night before. So sometimes just getting a bit of a stretch on these muscles actually feels really good for that recovery. It gets more blood flow going, just like with any massage. And, you know, you like kind of get back in the saddle. Mm. Yeah, I like that you bring that up, though, because those are things that we don't even think about. And I love, too, that you said the fact that, like, hello, duh, of course it's a vagina. The vagina is a muscle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. No, I mean, a lot of people just see it as, like, the canal. You know, it's like mm -hmm. a receptacle, and then there's some skin around it, and that's about it, right? So... It's, but it is, it's muscles. We're, we're surrounded in muscles because muscles create function and they create stability. They create emotion. 
And because we don't see that motion, it's really hard to visualize, right? For a lot of women, you know, a lot of women, we know from studies that women can't even, you know, find their clitoris. They can't find, Mm. they can't identify what their vulva is versus their vagina. And we're still, you know, in the society that we still call it a vagina, um, you know, it was a joke between my husband and I for a long time. He would always say, what's, what's a vulva? I was like, I don't know. You're gonna have to find it. <laughs> oh yeah. But, Cause why did they get that wrong though? Because why do we, why don't we just call it the vulva then? Yeah. I think it's like vagina has been so ingrained in, you know, cause the vagina really is more of where the action is, so to speak, mm-hmm. right? Like yeah. our vagina is what contains our uterus, our bladder. It's really all of the inside stuff is, is where it's at. So the outside, you know, is, you know, just like, it seems almost redundant that any of that has a purpose, but it's often because, I mean, even our clitoris is contained within our vulva area. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it wasn't recognized that the clitoris had much of a function for women because it only delivers pleasure. But that's a function, you know, yeah. like I'm, we're, we're advocating for that function for a number of reasons and, and more research is just going to come out and mm-hmm. out and out that, you know, for hormones, for everything, having that function. Um, I keep joking that the clitoris is an essential worker, even during pandemic, you know, oh just, God, it doesn't that. have to, yeah, it doesn't have to stay home. Don't like it, it can come out to play. So Yes. I'm so glad that you said that. Yeah. I think that is so, so true because I think that, um, God, that's one of the reasons why I'm doing all this is because, I mean, I literally thought there was something wrong with me when I couldn't have an orgasm. Um, and I think that that, you know, I love how you said that. Yes. This is the fact that it's just for pleasure, nothing else. Yeah. That, that still is very vital. Like, yeah. Absolutely. It's, um, it, it doesn't need to be the forgotten organ. Um, I mean, look, we know that how long has it been since we've known the shape of it, right? Like the human body has been around for a long time. And uh, when I took cadaver anatomy, I don't think that I had seen a picture of a clitoris the way we now see it shaped, that it's not just a little tiny button. It's got legs. It's got like, there's some, there's some meat and body to it. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. So the fact that we just know about that, you know, in the last, what, 10, 20 years, that is so crazy in medical world that that's how long it took for us to know what that looks like. So, I mean, the fact that, you know, look, there's a sexual revolution, there's a pelvic wellness revolution that's Mm -hmm. happening. Pelvic physio didn't even really exist six years ago when I had my kids. And Mm. I am a physiotherapist. Mm. I didn't even know about it. So the fact that it's so new, we have a long way to go until we really pioneer this area such that the stigma has like bottomed out till women, no matter who, what, where, demographic, economic status, anything can identify all the parts. You know, my daughter's four and she knows the outside of her area is a vulva 
and she knows the inside is a vagina. Oh, that's and great. she actually asked me the other day, if the outside of her bum is called a bum, then what's the inside? <laughs> Knowing that it had, and I, so I explained to her that it was the rectum. I we'll see how that comes up at dinner parties. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love your, that's another thing I always talk with people too. when I'm working with them is like, people don't tell their kids the proper names. Right. So then they never know. Yeah. Right. And that's where we've gotten a lot of stigma is because we won't say the names, right? We will not say these words because I don't even know if they're taboo. You, you just don't openly talk about them. Mm -hmm. You know, having a podcast where we talk about a vagina or sex, I mean, that did not, if it existed in our parents' time, it was not on the scale that we now have the capacity to with social media and everything else. But I mean, my parents would have never used those words, really. I mean, I was given, you know, a maxi pad and you got your period and the rest I was supposed to learn in school. And I went to Catholic school. So my education has been super limited. So um, I think that we have to start with our kids um, and knowledge is power and um, kids not being afraid of that area. And it, and it is different between men and women. I mean, I have a son. Um, I have a son and he, you know, he, he's six. He plays with his penis all the time. Mm. Like he, and it's very, it's self-exploration. I'm not, it's not a bad thing. He, you know, but, you know, he'll pull it. He'll say, Hey, look, it's big. He'll, you know, pull the foreskin on it. He'll do all sorts of stuff with it. And we're kind of like, okay, that's nice. Or bud, why don't you maybe go into your room if you're going to do that? Or, you know, like trying to at least facilitate some privacy. But I tell you the first time my daughter sort of like split her legs apart, took a look down there and sort of pulled her labias apart. My husband's reaction was, whoa 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 stop don't what are you doing no don't make mm. okay no and we're pretty progressive and that was his innate reaction to his daughter doing that so as progressive as we are there is something that has been built into us to feel ashamed to feel that it's an it's a, a no-go place it's not something that we would talk about so it's unfortunate but we know about it so we can change it. Mm -hmm. so. And thank you for sharing that story too. I'm really glad you said that because yeah, I mean, hello, you're right. Guys are taught and almost encouraged to explore women. Like mm -hmm. a lot of, I still have friends that have never had an orgasm and I do the yeah. work that I'm doing. I'm like girlfriend. Yeah. You know? So yeah. yeah, I think it all starts with education and awareness and removing yeah. shame. Yeah. And then that's really where um, people aren't, you know, our teenagers, if we don't do a good job with the education, it's like anything, right? Even the medical society, if they don't do a good job in terms of informing or meeting the needs of their patients, when patients don't feel heard, when patients feel like they aren't being seen, they are going to seek other alternative methods. Mm -hmm. And sometimes those alternative methods may not even be the best ones, but they were listened to and they were given a path forward. So if we're not educating our children on anatomy, on what, what these parts even do for them, 
then they are going to seek alternatives. And potentially that alternative is seeking it within porn, which I have no problem with if they know what they're watching, right? If what they are watching, if that's their first, like, sort of soiree into a sexual sort of encounter is, then it may not seem real when they have their first one, right? Because there's a little bit of different expectation as to what happens. And sometimes if we've only seen porn and we have ours, it's kind of like, oh, that was it? And it's like, well, yeah, that's actually more real life. <laughs> so, you know, we, we have to do a better job. And then if they, you know, they see porn, they can be like, hey, is this how it works? And you'd be like, well, maybe, but yeah. Mm. Yeah, I agree with you on that. And I think that that's becoming more and more. I heard porn use is up like times 10 million during quarantine. Oh, I know. I know. It's unbelievable. Um, you know, and there's so many, and I'm not going to, you may know some of them off the top of your, your head, but now, you know, sort of ethical porn sites are coming oh, yeah. out that are mm -hmm. a lot I think they're more real. They're they're um, respectful of both genders within the within the screen and everything. And I mean, what a wonderful concept to provide mm -hmm. because again, you know, it can be a real source of arousal for people, and that shouldn't be shame. That should be celebrated. You know, arousal is such a huge part of a climatic climactic process. So you know get your head in the game is mm -hmm. like number one, having your physical body respond in kind is two. And then boom, like we got something here. Okay. Well name something. Cause I know Erica lust. Who are you? Um, I can't, I can't, you know what? I, I cannot remember some of them. I, I don't know. I've come across a bunch lately, but I'm not, okay. of course, none of them are in my head right now. Of course. Uh, no worries. It's all good. If you think of them, yeah. message me and then I can put in the video. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, perfect. But yeah. So what do you want everybody to take away from our conversation? So basically what I want people to know is that if you are sexually active, then you better know how to use your vagina, right? It's just going to make everything so much better. It's also going to de-alarm you when little things go wrong, right? Because often when we associate pain down in our pelvic area, in our vagina, it can be quite alarming because we don't know. And so understanding your own body, how much tension is there within your pelvic floor, like don't be afraid to sort of stick a finger there and feel what those muscles are doing. Um, I always advocate um, for women to see a pelvic physical therapist or physiotherapist so that you know that you are doing a Kegel or a pelvic floor contraction properly. It's going to save you a lot of time and effort if you know how, such that you can do everything, you know, whether kids are in your, your forecast or not, if we don't use muscles, we lose them. So even as an aging process, this is no different than your leg muscles, mm -hmm. than your arm muscles, right? We know we got to keep strong to keep walking, to lift things. It's the same in our vagina. So knowing how to use that area from the get-go is going to facilitate a much easier time throughout your lifespan. So you may go in to see a pelvic floor physio and they may say, you got some work to do. 
I would rather find that out at 25 and just learn how to do it right then than wait till I'm 35 after I've had kids and now I have four different problems that I'm trying to fix, right? Mm, And then same with, you know, or you might go in and they're going to say, yes, you got this. Like your pelvic floor is working fantastic. You really have that great lift and squeeze. And like, how empowering is that for women to walk out of that door and go, yeah, Mm -hmm. I got it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right. There's like that little twinkle in your eye that says like, I'm strong. (laughs) Right. So I, I would, I would really want women to just seek out a pelvic floor physio, right? If you're having a pap smear, it's no different, right? You, we don't use speculums. Um, There is an internal component and that can be a bit of a hump mentally for some women. But I mean, I'm doing virtual care and teaching women how to do it themselves. So I think that we can do a lot of things, even if women don't feel comfortable with that internal component, at least be comfortable with the internal component for yourself. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then where can everybody find you? So, um, you can find me, um, so my product is the Kegel release curve. And even if you just type in krcurve.com, you will get there. Um, and then you can find me on Instagram and also Kegel at Kegel release curve. And then I'm, uh, Kate Roddy underscore six, the number I X physio, but I'm sure it'll be in the notes or people can message Mm you. Cool. Yes. I will definitely put it in the notes. Thanks so much for joining me. Such a great conversation and a very important one. Yeah, yeah. Everyone needs to have pelvic wellness. Mm -hmm. All right, y'all. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast. Let us know your thoughts and have a great day.